What is up, people? Jose Nino here, bringing you another politically incorrect segment of El Nino Speaks. Today, I am rejoined by the irrepressible Nuclear Caudillo. For those of us who are unaware, Nuke is a budding Twitter sensation who dropped a mega thread on the realities of dating in the 21st century. I will attach his thread in the show notes for all listeners to check out. It's probably one of the most informative pieces of content that I've seen on Twitter in a while that talks about dating and how it is not in any way, shape or form what it's portrayed like in your typical Disney movies or like rom-com films. So check that out. Anyways, what's new with you, Nuke? Hey, what's up? Uh, nothing much. I've just been uh, pumping out video. I'll pump out a video. I've been really busy, so I only have time for uh, one a week, but I should be upping it up. I want to start doing live soon. And um, yeah, just pushing out content. And uh, maybe in the future, I'll probably open a Patreon and help guys out with their questions and do more one-on-one coaching and stuff. But for right now, I'll focus on the YouTube channel and uh, you know, just pump out content. Great stuff, man. Yeah, we. I will also be linking to his YouTube channel below, and um, I strongly recommend it for people who want to learn more about Nuke's vision and what his take is on dating and other forms of male self-improvement. Now, for the topic of discussion today, off the record, we have been exchanging correspondence about like the morality of dating in contemporary times, and you mentioned one point that grabbed my attention and had me thinking for a bit. Namely, your likening of dating to war, because like most people with old order thinking would be totally shocked by such a comparison and would think it's like ridiculous. But for those of us who have been in the trenches of like dating, we are able to relate to it very much so. So the million dollar question how is dating similar to war? Well, you know, I, I was uh, ex-military. I was in the Navy. I deployed several times. And, you know, I heard about, like, a lot of the tactics that other, you know, like, more hostile countries like Russia um, do when we're out to sea. They, they, we keep them secret. At least uh, certain people on the ship keep them secret. But there's a lot going on out there in the world that, you know, there's a lot of tactics, warfare. And then, you know, I'm a big fan of the, of the book, The Art of War which is a great text, which, you know, it's, I think it's 2,500 years old, but it still resonates, especially in business, obviously warfare. And and now I think I can draw parallels to the dating market. So I know that, you know, we're in a society now where language is like more important than facts, logic, and, and strategy, right? So when we, when we say war, a lot of people do not like using war to you know, they're used to the 90s rom-com version of love and relationships and not to the absolute battlefield that it is now, right? So when we break out of that, you know, barrier of language and we start calling things what they are, then we can at least move forward. And I think equating, you know, that it's always been said in love and war, you know, like that we've always used those two terms in several sayings, you know, but I guess now since language, since love is is has a different meaning nowadays, I guess. You know, all is fair in love and war. So I think why not break down and make an analysis and compare the two, you know? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's definitely 
something that that is generally not taken to its logical conclusion because there are certain aspects of intersexual dynamics that are adversarial in nature when you look at like the male reproductive strategy of trying to spread your seed as far as wide and then like the female dating strategy of trying to uh mating strategy of trying to lock down a man that could like sire a child and um, protect her and provide like all the other forms of like provisioning. Now in your quote unquote dating career, when did it dawn on you that contemporary dating is a certifiable battlefield? I would say, you know, uh, when I was in the military, I did very minimal dating because, you know, I was focusing on my career, constant deployments, but there were, um, relationships uh, on my, you know, on my ship. And there are also relationships, you know, seeing how the pandemic played out and stuff like that. And I realized like morality, you know, everyone likes to speak of morality, but like I'll equate it to this example. This is an example I used before. I would say old order thinking, the people that push old order thinking or, you know, the, the dating coaches that use very outdated, you know, decade old advice, they're like the journalists, the war journalists, you know, they'll go, they've maybe they've been to war once or twice to spectate, but they're not the soldiers in, in the trenches and the foxholes, you know, sweaty, dirty, trying to push forward, trying to inch by inch, you know, push forward on the enemy. Right. They can see it, but they don't they can't they don't feel it, you know. So and then, you know, they go and and they come back and then they have their opinions and they talk to the government and all that stuff. But the real soldier, the man in the arena, like Teddy Roosevelt said, or the guys are in the trenches, like, um, you know, like the young men that are trying to figure this out. Now, when it comes to like the military, I've talked to various people in the red pill space who, well, like you have served like in branch, like the Marines, Air Force, uh, Army, Navy, et cetera, et cetera. And what has been your general impression of people there when it comes to like dating? Are they still stuck on old order thinking or do you believe that they um, are starting to put two and two together and realize that what they've been sold is largely a scam? I would say like inside the military, especially my division, there was a lot of like shock and awe about about how much power the females had in our division, not to say that they were all bad. There was a lot of unfairness and inequality and we all accepted it. Like we, everyone knew it's just, we couldn't talk about it. You know, when we saw a, a higher ranking guy really getting close to a lower ranking girl, and then that lower ranking girl would jump up and rank really fast over two years, you know, people, people notice, but we just can't talk about it, you know? So, and I think I draw that with society now where, the average guy knows what's out there. He knows how it's stacked up against him, you know. So he either lies to himself about it or they just don't talk about it. And that's why they don't like when guys like you and me really cut through cut through and start talking and, and reaching um, guys and, you know, at least forming a community because that takes away the power, you know. And, um, yeah, in the military, everyone knew what it was. We were just so busy and also we were scared of you know consequences mm-hmm. oh yeah that we we just you know kept it quiet and then you know just stayed away as much as we could from drama like that's how my division handled it yeah the, there are some similarities given my political background like when you deal with people in different settings when you start talking about politics like they know something is wrong 
and they sometimes can't really verbalize it, but they know something there's like something strange in the air. But because of um the many social and professional and even financial consequences you could face, people have a tendency to muzzle themselves. And I actually don't blame them because it's like it's easy to be like some anonymous red pill account that basically makes all his money like online has like drop shipping or whatever and talk about how like you need to like rebel like against your workplace and just start talking all this red pill shit but it's like another when you're actually in the trenches and you have to pay bills raise a family or whatever or have like social obligations so you're gonna have to pick your battles and this is also another like analogy to regards to war because you can't like fight like every fight out there because you're just gonna exhaust yourself both like physically and mentally as well so yeah yeah, like you could even see in popular culture, all the most masculine, outspoken people are being not only canceled now, but jailed, sent to jail or getting their careers destroyed. You know, like the, I don't think the way forward is to just go to your employer and start acting a certain way or, you know, denouncing the current status quo. You know, I think we have to move smartly and, and quietly, you know, like the, all it got to be more deceptive. Right. Um, and I would say in dating, it's the same. Right. Girls will ask you your politics. They'll ask you your stance on stuff like guns. They'll ask you your stance on different things, right? You can just tell them you don't care. Even though it's like, you know, as men, we love our guns. And most men, at least with healthy testosterone levels, are conservative or Republican, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, why just go on a date and just throw this stuff out there? you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot. First off, you know, most girls just eventually adopt your politics if they if they decide to stay with you. But the answer is not to just go out in public and act the fool and just, you know, I, I get that that's a lot of branding for a lot of guys, but we need to move smarter and we need to get through life, you know, without getting our lives destroyed over an idea, you know, and it's, it's not that serious, but, and also... You can be and have your beliefs, um, but you don't have to, you know, discuss them with people you don't trust. Oh, yeah. The learning like red pills. Well, learning red pill content does not give you like it's not like give you a license or like an obligation to be proselytizing, whatever. You don't have to like feel like you have to go and spread this message because there's honestly like most people don't care about this stuff. And if anything, you may actually alienate people close to you so keep it to yourself and or just like talk to other people who are already on the same page as you and just form your community there don't feel like you have to meet some quota of people that you have to talk to on a daily basis when it comes to this stuff it some people are just simply not ready and honestly some things are better kept to like in like a secret society fashion because i'd rather have like a on-point elite that understands this information that will lead society to like a better future than just waste my time getting into like unproductive arguments and whatnot, as opposed to like building myself up and my uh, immediate community. So another um, parallel I've noticed, which is really connected to war is like the realm of geopolitics and like international relations. And I do a lot of writing in that space. And I consider myself to be like a realist when it comes to international relations. And under this framework of international relations analysis um it posits that like states generally don't trust each other and as a result they try to maximize their power 
for the purpose of self-preservation. And that means like they build like strong conventional military forces, set up nuclear arsenals, and even forge alliances, among other activities. In 21st century dating, I would say that there are similar parallels. Like fundamentally, you have to pursue your own self-interest by making yourself your own mental point of origin. Now, for like the specifics regarding like making yourself your own mental point of origin, what would you say are some ways that people can, um, like men specifically, can maximize their advantages in the battlefield that is modern day dating? So you have to, I think, men, we're, we kind of, in our life, we have this thing where we have like uh, principles and morals and uh, things by which we um, are driven by, right? Which is a good thing, right? That's not a bad thing. But there are certain games in life where you, you don't, you cannot afford to have principles and morals um, all the time. You know, you have to break rules and you have to move smartly or else you'll get destroyed, right? Like first, like being a leader, a leader, you need principles and morals, right? If you're a leader in your community, a leader, your job, a leader in the military, you need to have strong principles and morals or else you're not going to fare well, right? But when it comes to dating, realizing dating, there is no morality, you know, and that's the first step a guy has to take and, and mentally when he's stepping into this, there is no fair play. You're stepping into a game where you're already at a disadvantage, so play to win, right? You have to be scrappy. You know, I'm not talking about like be violent. Like, no, I'm talking about like just be scrappy. Understand that there's, you're going to take L's. You understand that you're, there's women that are, there's a lot of deception, right? And you you need to maybe use some of that, those Machiavellian traits that women use back on them, right? At the end of the day, you want to win. And it's, here's a, here's a big disconnect for a lot of men. I found great women using dirty tactics. I've dated good women that were, you know, very, that were on the road to become my, you know, good girlfriends, wives, mother of my children. And it was because I used the same dirty tactics that I use on terrible women on them. That is not to say I hurt them. That's not to say I went out of my way as like, as be vengeful. I just simply played the game accordingly. And then when it was time to be like, okay, I can trust this person at a certain point, I could trust this person up to a point. I think I can, uh, you know, proceed differently. But that's a that's a hard thing for a lot of young guys to understand. Like you have to be Machiavellian. You have to put yourself first. You have to be super selfish, and you have to know that it's deception versus deception. There's so much lies today, and you just have to play accordingly. Indeed. Now you don't need to give away the entire. Uh, nuclear Caudillo playbook, but what are some of those dirt, so-called like dirty tactics that you've used to enhance your dating experience? Okay, well, here here's one I've been thinking of. Never, uh, let's say if you live in the city and you live in a, a good area, never drive. Just always have her come to you. Yep. And uh, where you live, near where you live, right? So first off, she's going to get ready. She's going to drive in her mind. She's like, wow, I'm doing all this for this guy. He must be special. That's the female psychology. You're hacking into the female psychology, first off, by making yourself the, where the fun is at. She's coming to you. She's entering your world, right? Not the other way around. And then you live close by. So if you, you know, you could take her back to your apartment very easily, you know, like, hey, you want to, you know, you give her a plausible deniability and you go back to your place, right? And all the while you're saving money on gas, you know, you're saving time because you're not driving, you're not in traffic. And if she flakes, you just 
walk, you know, half two blocks yep. back home. And then she's going to flake. She's not going to arrive and turn around. She's going to, she's going to flake like an hour before. So you don't even have to leave your house. It, it's, it seems like an underhanded tactic, but it works. And trust me, it's not worth driving 30 minutes to meet a girl unless, you know, excruciating circumstances yeah. or a special case. Right. But like, it's not worth it. Like if you have the logistics to live in a fun part of the town, fun part of town, you have a bar like up the street use that to your advantage. It, that's like one of the, that's just an example of an under, a seemingly underhanded technique that is extremely effective. Yes. Broke guys take note, especially if like you don't have like a car or whatever, if you're still in a popping area, this is, is a good way to like play the game. Yeah. Actually there's so much to unpack here because yeah. Cause most like conventional dating would have you like, uh, put yourself like in a chaser frame, if you will, where you're going like sometimes like 30 minutes to like uh, like a girl's area to meet up. And under like the red pill framework, it's you are the prize and you want to try to like actually have the girl chase you and like invest more in these interactions. And yep. And also you mentioned the plausible deniability as well. Like say like, let's have a wine at mine or check out like this art portrait at my place to uh, pull back to your place like this is like all stuff that it is like in a player's arsenal that should be used and yeah you could say it's like underhanded but when you're like in a veritable like battlefield that is like dating you want to also like level the playing field so there's like nobody really being hurt here these are just like clever tactics to be used but there are like some people who are just so plugged into the grid i've noticed when it comes to like intersexual dynamics and they, whenever they hear this stuff, it, it is a pretty like, like a shocking type of moment for them because they've been conditioned to accepting like the Disney rom-com railing like narrative. And why do you think that it is so difficult for men to come to grips with the bellicose nature of like dating these days? Uh, I think it's like comfort and ego protection, right? Because, you know, we we heard the phrase comforting lies. You know, it's it's comforting. You want to believe that people are good. You want to believe, you know, and I'll say this, like every time there's a new study, something that really breaks down like human behavior, you know, in terms of dating or just human behavior in general. It's funny because the intellectuals, the scientists, the people that run the study are just at a loss. You know, they can't understand why 64% of men are single, right? They're, and the only thing they can do is like put the responsibility back on men. Like, hey, why are you guys single? Do better. And they don't understand like what's really going on here. So I think that a, a lot of young men, they see it as a monumental task to have an ego, you know, the rejection part of it. Also, it's a lot of work. They think that like each girl is like some kind of giant project where they're going to have to put, you know, like in the movies, like a whole two hour movie about one guy going after one girl. When in reality, the way it's supposed to happen is you're supposed to have a group of girls trying to qualify to you or at least, you know, maybe girls or yes, girls. And then eventually you're like, I'm going to pick this one. And it's just I think the number one thing is just the daunting. It seems daunting. And not only that, mentally daunting, because you have to, you know, like in popular media, popular culture, the player, like the Barney Stinsons are always seen as like kind of degenerate, kind of like slimy, you know, kind of like the comic relief, right? And emotional, they're just, you know, they like, 
And then in real life, the, the true guys that are getting the girls are just quiet, stoic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're assassins. They're basically, I call, when I see a guy that's good with women out and about and I see he's laid back, the girl's leaning forward, he's like playing with his hair and he seems kind of disinterested and the girl's just yapping away. I'm like, that guy's an assassin. He knows what he's doing. Like, assassins don't show up at at military functions. You know, assassins are quiet. They live quiet, private lives. And, you know, they're discreet and they attack. They strike when the time is right. and They're very efficient. And that's how you got to teach, you know, young guys like, hey, you can totally have a normal life. You can be a leader in your community. You know, you can strive to be the best at your job. You know, you can be a good brother. You can be a good son. You know, you could be a good father. You can be all these things. And also you can be a womanizer. It does not take away. Obviously, just like everything else in life, there are limits and, you know, you could get addicted. But at the end of the day, one is they're not mutually exclusive. You know, like I was a I was a great sailor and a good leader in the military, but I also enjoyed women when I could, you know, and n- none of that took away from my job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's been like players that are like total like villains like Fidel Castro and Hugo Chavez and whatnot. But then you've got like really high class players like uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin, for example, that were like legit polymaths. Like the idea that playing the field is like inherently like immoral that makes you like a piece of shit or whatever is just not really the case. A lot of times too, especially now with the way dating is going, you have to play the field. Ultimately, those are just the cards that you've been dealt with and you just adapt or you can do also just become a frustrated insult that's just like talking shit on the internet, but that's not a life I want to live. So yeah. No, that's the pathetic life. No one wants to live that. Not even they want to live that life. Yep, exactly. Going back to the art of war, what passages in the art of war stuck out to you that you could draw a parallel with dating these days? Yeah. Uh, so I have one open here that I had. It's um, it's called Waging War. And I'll just read you the quote. It says, a protracted campaign depletes the state's re- resources. Oh, yes. That, that one's great. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, how do we turn that into more, you know, dating specific. Well, basically if you're chasing a girl for too long and you've made no headway, you know, you're wasting Mm -hmm. time, energy, resources on one girl and she's just, you know, she's using you basically for your time and attention and money, you know, you have to let her go. You know, you have to move on, move on. You know, you've lost, basically you're, you're losing resources and that see how like you have to wage war, you know, and that one of the ways wait war, a lot of wars dependent on the country's resources and a lot of wars end because the country runs out of resources. Right. So are you going to keep spending money and time and attention on a no girl, a girl that's, that's just using you, or are you going to use that for something else, whether it be another girl, a project, your family, friends, you know, that's a good passage that stuck out to me. Yep. Those type of, Type of like the so-called like long game is just like really not worth it. I mean, if you have like Instagram or something uh, like that, and you have like a really like DHV, like high value lifestyle, you can kind of run that like in the long term. But ultimately, you've got to open up various battlefronts, i.e. like pursue multiple like women because just focusing on one is just going to make you like go nuts and you're going to lose frame and you're going to just look like a typical chaser slash orbiter. And we're not about yeah, one-itis. That. Yep. You'll get one-itis. Yeah. And this, I would say this applies not just whenever you're 
before you've closed the chick, but also whenever you have somewhat locked her down, but then you notice that like even after you've closed her, that she's playing aloof and isn't really giving you what you want. You sometimes have to like cut your losses and whatnot and just pursue other prospects that are actually down with your program. Like that's another thing too, because most novice people like in the game, they don't realize that the game actually starts in earnest after you've closed chicken. That's when a lot of other fuckery ensues. And you have to understand that as well. But there's stages to this. But you ultimately, this is a game where you have to maximize your self-interest. And there's going to be times where just like you cut off people in your social circle that are time vampires or just very have bad energy. You also have to do the same with women. There's nothing particularly special about them. The only time they become special is when they actually add to you or lifestyle and they're, they're a net positive. But if they are acting like a parasitic agent, like it becomes a no brainer. You cut them off. Yeah. I would say another pack uh, passage that I like is attack at points, which the enemy must scramble to defend. Right. Mm. So how will we equate that to dating? You got to understand a lot of guys, they think that women think like us. They can't fathom that they have a different way of thinking and a way of reaction. Right. So a lot of guys will try to they will introduce hobbies and stuff too early, like certain types of hobbies that, you know, like I don't want you know, you should probably not tell the girl unless she's you know, she brings it up that you play, you know, Mario Kart and you're really good and you challenge anyone, you know, that's obviously there's a lot of girls that would, wouldn't mind talking about that, but just, you know, hold back on that. What you have to attack is what are the weaknesses of women? They want mystery. They're bored. They need excitement, right? So if you have any stories that show higher DHV and, and are exciting and, you know, you're attacking, that's their weak point. That's what they crave, you know? So uh, another weak point that women have is jealousy, you know, like let's say you're out at a club or a bar and, you know, you, you give the bartender, a, female, a hot female bartender, a kiss, a kiss on the cheek, you know, and then you say hi to another girl and then you dap up your friends. You know, she's like already making an image of your wow, this guy is everyone's comfortable with him, you know. So social proof, jealousy, all those are women's weaknesses in terms of dating. And when I say weaknesses, not like take advantage of her, but just attraction triggers. Right. That's what I mean. So you have to learn about the enemy before you attack or but. I would say know what women's attract attraction triggers or weaknesses are and then strike those. Don't strike you like a lot of guys want to use like lead with money. Oh god. And that, that's not an attraction trigger. That's not a attraction trigger or sorry, an arousal trigger. That's an attract a long-term attraction trigger. Yes. Right? So so you want to play, you know, like when the time is right, then you you know let her find out, "Hey, man, you actually doing pretty well in life." I'm like, "Yeah, I got a nice job." And then, you know, you know, she'll start to put you together and then, you know, you'll have a very congruent image of you and then she'll, she won't be able to get enough of you, you know? Yeah. That the attraction versus arousal dichotomy is one of the more um, interesting insights about the like seduction community, because yeah, there's like resource attraction and like status attraction, but then there's also like just like sexual arousal, which can be a multitude of factors. Like you having like a V taper, being able to like address well and have really strong like sexual subcommunications and body language that is kind of different. It's like the difference between like being like Jason Momoa or like Jeff Bezos. Like that's like, like a comparison I would use there. And yes, I agree with like 
Discovery, uh, Trump's like disclosure, ultimately, you want to always, I remember one mentor I actually had, he said that like in any type of like, whether it's like a day game interaction, night game, or like a date, you want to like always leave the interaction with like some type of cliffhanger or something to like just build suspense and keep the relationship going. Because if you just like vomit everything about your lifestyle, like you may close or whatever, but you automatically start becoming boring and there's nothing like really there for the chick to like be interested in the long term. So it's better to like reveal parts of your lives like slowly and as a girl gives you like more compliance, then you could like start trickling out more stuff. But yeah, you don't want to be one of these people that just like lists off like their life story, like some like stupid resume, like on the date and just bore the hell out of the Yeah, team. It's not an interview. You're basically like a magician. You're trying to make it more, you're, you're making it fun. You know, she's bored. Assume that she's bored out of her mind. She has nothing going on in her life and you're her, you're her ticket out of extreme boredom. Right. The, another one I want to say is lay plants, discover the enemy's intentions. Mm. Right. And that's a really, I would say like, that's one of the best things a guy, a young player or a, a young womanizer needs to know is you need to know what the girl's intentions are. And a lot of guys get frustrated because they can't pick up on what, on the subtle cues or the, you know, the, the medium is the message, right? How she's communicating, right? Because girls never communicate overtly mm-hmm. unless absolutely necessary. Right. So if you're, you know, you're trying to get her on a date, but you're getting one word answers, one word texts and you, every time you suggest a date, she says, Oh, I'm busy or, or starts texting really slow. The medium is the message. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she's telling you she's not interested. Yeah. Right? And guys will, you know, continue down that path. So put her in situations where it reveal her intentions. Right. So that's why, you know, I'm not saying ever get, you know, get a girl drunk on purpose, but like have a couple drinks, let her talk, let her. And then you'll realize, oh, she just broke up with her ex. Chances are pretty good. If she just broke up with her ex, chances are pretty good that she's you're going home with her. Yeah. Also, if you have like if she's a casual relationship, you know. Put her in situation, make her very comfortable about talking about her exes, her sex life, you know, all that stuff. She says a play, right? And then you'll discover like, okay, this type of girl I can't take seriously, you know, because she's very open about other men. You know, you, you, you what you've done, you've created a comfort level with her, but deep down you're, you're judging and you're, you're, you know, you're getting, you're collecting data on the enemy. It's very important that you, you let women tell on themselves, you know, yes. and then you pay attention to their patterns, even though as men, we're not really, we don't really follow social patterns that well. We're more of like reality. We're more out in the field and worried about things, but it would behoove you to pay attention to women's behavior before and after she's with you and the way she's doing, you know, if she's qualifying to you and doing everything right. And she's always available sexually and always wants to see you and come over. Chances are you're the only guy she's seen, Right. Obviously, that's no guarantee, but or if, you know, you're seeing a girl and then like it's always every once every two weeks or every other weekend or she has excuses or she shows up drunk one day and then doesn't talk to you for three days, then, you know, then you understand what it is. You know, it's just pay attention and always put a girl into the best position so she can reveal herself, just like in war. Yeah, reading body language, like subcommunications and just observing a girl's actions, not like her words. This is like high level social stuff that really does separate the people who are good with women from like the rest of like a normie crowd. 
And I also think, too, with regards to intentions, this also goes back to geopolitical realism because ultimately states and individuals don't really know like the entirety of like the intentions of the of their adversaries, like um, their adversaries intentions. But you can still like more or less gloss like certain things. But because of the fact that you don't um, there's like an uncertainty principle for men, this is why you have to have like many options and also maximize your self-interest by playing the field and then gauging which chicks are like the yes chicks, which are the maybes and which are the no's. And, and you could do, you can use certain types of tactics like on dates. I actually think dates in many respects are like intelligence gathering type of functions where you can learn um, not only how women work, but also pick up on certain dating trends that are going down right now. Because for example, if you have a guy who just got divorced, who's like in his like early to mid forties, he's entering a different dating market now where there's a lot of new norms. There's some continuity for sure, because you're still dealing with like female biology, but there's stuff that's also happening that may have not been the case whenever this guy first like got hitched with his um, ex-wife. So always date with like a purpose. If you're, if you're a guy to pick up on like everything, like the entire environment around you and not just do this typical is like dumb, like, oh, I'll just let things happen like the way like movies go and just somehow like fall in love because that's not how it works, man. There, it's a, there's a method to this madness ultimately. Yeah, it's it's uh, you have to be Machiavellian and you also be patient with yourself, especially if you haven't been in the dating game for a while. Like it's insanity out here. Right. But there is a way through. You yeah. just have to, you know, it's just it's going to be insane and it's not your fault. You know, even the best most handsome best players you know they get they struck out they strike out or they get they miss you know they they fall for certain girls and you know not like in love hopelessly romantic but you know they they enjoy women's company and the the girl up and leaves like it it's okay you know it's mm. it's all right yes it's not a measuring like you know a dick measuring contest it's basically you're having fun you're i'd say it like this you're learning about the opposite gender you're learning about women it's a learning experience and then and all that, maybe the right girl will come along and then you have all this knowledge of how to deal with women and she'll love you for it. She'll love how good you are in treating her the right way and uh, you'll be happily ever after, you know? Mm-hmm. Yup, yup. You're going to always have like some knuckleheads out here that will say that your observations about the current dating landscape are cynical and like... Worse yet, wait for it, toxic, and some will even put words in your mouth and say that you're, like, advocating for, like, belligerent action against women. How would you dispel these fallacious arguments? I would say the people that are not having success with women are the ones that show the most hate and disdain towards women, um, whether it be direct or, or indirect. And I would say, too, that women want a guy that just gets it. Like I would say that we'll, you know, women want a guy that just understands they don't want the game explained to them. You know, they want a guy that just gets it. That just, that he performs his part of the bargain in terms of courting. And then um, she can fall into his frame. Women don't want to lead, um, especially in dating. They hate leading. They want to be told um, even the most, Independent feminist women want to be told what time to show up, where to show up, even how to dress sometimes, right? And they want the guy to come up and lead the date, lead the conversation and go from there. Like, 
you have to be a leader, you have to take control and you have to care. And the guys that don't want to step up to that, they, their comforting lie is that women are equal and they have a say in this too, which they do, right? But what, no woman, no matter how feminist or independent or whatever she is, wants to be the one to decide everything. Oh, big time. Yep. There's some stuff that you cannot like socially engineer out of uh, the the two sexes, like no matter how hard these like political lobbies try to push like gender neutral stuff. And there are some behaviors that are so deeply ingrained that you just cannot ideologically like, tamper with it. So keep that in mind for sure when you're dealing with the opposite sex. Well, one thing that has caught my attention going back to the topic of like the rise of like incel culture, for example, Gen Z, if you look at the numbers, um, is generally viewed as one of like the least like sexually active generations in recent history, especially among like young men in particular, because for women, I've seen conflicting figures, but for the most part, they're still getting it in. But for men, that's a different story, depending on what segment you're studying. With how aggressive dating has become in the modern age, do you believe that the relations between the two sexes will actually grow antagonistic if current woke trends hold and open hypergamy continues to be actively encouraged? Yeah, I mean, there really there already is a lot of bitterness on both sides. Like, there's articles being written about how the other sex just is not measuring up to the other's expectations, right? Especially with the with, with women, you know, they have, there's articles out that say there's not enough economically attractive men. There's women that say that they miss being catcalled. Like a little article that says, "Hey, I miss being catcalled," and that's men's fault, you know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I'll even send it to you, but I think what's going to happen, there's like, it's just there's the things that there's several things in play here. Like, um, okay. So there's a dating game and then there's timelines, right? Like right now, millennial women are entering their forties, right? I would say the oldest millennial is 40 right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So 40 is like a big rounded number where women who you know, are single or single mothers or, you know, with a guy, they just, they're safe choice guy, right? That's a rounded number, right? So, you know, that correlates now, if you've been been paying attention, there is a lot of like media and articles about women trying to, you know, rationalize the fact they've gotten this to this age. And also there's a lot of, uh, and here's, here's the worst part, like everyone's trying to intellectualize of romance right now. Right. And trying to, right. So you'll have women on podcasts saying, well, you know, I, I want to be a good woman. So I cook for my man and I do these, these, these things trying to teach other women or trying to, you know, either gain followers or teach women or whatever. Right. But the thing is like when a, like a guy that as experienced as we are knows that that's not a negotiating thing. You don't negotiate that stuff. Right. Yeah. So we have that component. A lot of women are trying to intellectualize the, the, their way into and they're doing it. And you know what? Even if they say all that stuff, they would never do that for their, a guy they were not attracted to. Or they would do it or it'd be they would do it begrudgingly. You know, it wouldn't be natural. And then you have the sedation aspect of it. Right. So right now, like pornography and video games are getting really good. Right. It, like, I don't know if you played The Last God of War or any other video game, 
th- these games are like very impressive. So men that don't have, that are striking out or, or, and are not putting in the effort to meet women are going to start sedating themselves more. And these industries will continue to grow. So as long as video games get better and women start deluding themselves that they think they can fall into a man's frame uh, consciously instead of like subconsciously, things will not change too much uh, for the time being. And then I think the biggest change right now will be young men because we're like we're very rational. We understand the longhouse. We understand there's a lot of intelligent young men out there that are trying to make sense of this and they eventually will. And I think the biggest component is that young men will stop being monogamous once they reach that point. I think monogamy is going to start going out the window. I think that's the biggest thing. Yes. My prediction has been that you are going to see like a secularized form of like Islamic like type of like polygamy or really what you see go down in many third world countries where guys just like manage like large rotations uh, because of economic and social circumstances. And in many respects, the U.S. is turning into like a de facto third world nation, both like and on economic fronts and crime fronts, because I, I laugh whenever someone's like saying like, oh, man, like U.S. is like uh, like turning into third world when a lot of like cities like say like Baltimore, like St. Louis have like homicide rates that are way higher than most like Latin American countries that with the exception of like Venezuela and like El Salvador that actually reminded me of uh, speaking of which that one um like bodega owner like in New York like Dominican bodega owner who like was prosecuted for like defending for like stabbing a guy who was like robbing his place and shit and he basically says I'm, I'm moving back to the Dominican Republic because like it's safer uh, there than yeah I remember that guy yeah that was a big deal in the Dominican community I remember but yeah a lot of this stuff um that you're seeing go down because of like the economic situation in the US, you're gonna also see the normalization of like age gaps. It's already like more normal than people think to begin with. And when you go out in the field, you start realizing that it's not like as big of a deal as people make it make it out like online. But I think it's gonna become much more normalized when it becomes clear that older millennial and Gen X men are going to be just much more on point, both socially and in their finances in comparison to like downwardly mobile and socially inept like counterparts in like the Gen Z and like younger generations. So we are witnessing, I believe one of like the most like fundamental like social transformations of our lifetime, which is actually not an isolated incident to it. It it was like the seeds were planted during the sexual revolution of the 1960s and not to go on a tangent, but the 1960s, when you look at it from like a sexual front and racial and even like immigration front was one of like the most impactful decades in terms of public policy and the culture that elites promoted that has turned like the U.S. from a relatively functioning high trust society into this weird like smorgasbord of like a superpower of nukes, but like an underlying like third world culture that is actually starting to manifest itself in real time in like the nastiest way possible. And many people are just not ready for this stuff. So brace yourself. Yeah. Lack of cultural cohesion, like going to another city in the United States feels like you're going to another country. Oh yeah. Another set of beliefs. Yes. And even in some cities, this also goes back to like the Latin American analogy. Like you step in like one neighborhood 
that's like really affluent. Then you walk like maybe like 10 minutes away and it's like you're you entered like a total ghetto. This is like almost like Caracas, man. Like when yeah. you know, whenever I would go there and whatnot. But a lot of the stuff is out of your control. So the moral of the story here I think is that you do have to focus more about making yourself like your mental point of origin and control the stuff that you can control. Exercise like stoicism and identify people, like especially in this space, that are actually productive, that are getting things done both in terms of their relationships and other hobbies and move on from there because it's ultimately these small groups of like high value people, on point people that move society forward and those who keep pressing on. Those are the people you want to keep tabs on and actually get advice from so that you can level up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all these stats, a lot of times it isn't like these stats are like uh, bad, right? Like maybe it is a good thing that most men at a certain age, 64% of men in their 20s are single. Maybe it's because they just don't think it's worth it. And, you know, for a lot of for if you're young and you're still learning about women, and you're not like initiated. Maybe it is the best thing, you know, maybe this is something good, you know, don't take every stat as like yeah. the last throws of society. Right. And I think that a lot of men are just waking up to the, And that's why I say I have a lot of faith in young men because, you know, I hang out with guys that are 23, 24 and we we go out, we have work out. I work out with younger guys. I, you know, I, I mentored and leader uh, was a leader to them in the military. And a lot of guys like we underestimate how rational. Obviously, you know, there's hormones and, you know, their, their sexual drive and stuff but we we underestimate how smart um a lot of these guys are and how rational and how they go on online and they talk to each other through video games and on discord mm-hmm. boards and and stuff like that and in chats they know they know what's going on and a lot of them are like hey i finally got myself one or two girls and then they they think like okay why would i commit neither of them are even acting like wives you know neither of them are like stepping up to be my girl neither of them are doing anything but showing up eating my food or spending my money, having sex and then leaving. Like, what do I get out of this besides, you know, intimacy, right? And a lot of guys are just waking up and that's a good thing. Like we should monitor this closely and then, you know, always tell young men, like, don't fall into the trap of like the morality, do what's right while women are getting told, do what's right for you. And men are being told, do what's right for everyone else but yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a double-edged sword of being extremely online because there there are some benefits to it, to be honest. And in terms of like the most like politically on point people that I know that know what's up, uh, they're the extremely online people because they're like on these forums, like following anonymous like bodybuilding accounts on Twitter. I'd rather people spend time that than just like going out into like the dating field under like a trick mindset or a boyfriend frame to just get like played like a drum out there it's like yeah if you had like a binary choice of that i'd rather be extremely online and um learn from like other people like uh yourself nuke and those who have tons of experience in this field than trying to relive this like 1950s fantasy in a landscape that is anything but that so there are silver linings to even some of like the most alarming like statistical trends but ultimately these are just numbers and one thing to take away is that all of us have to break the mold in some way. I don't want to be a carbon copy of some some like archetype. I'd rather be like my own brand and at least like use like the guiding principles of like red pill and other types of like uh dating ideologies that where you put your self-interest first. That's like what how I operate and I don't really care about being average. Yeah, it's it you know, the red pill and dating advice it's a toolbox, right? You pick out what you need and you take it to the field. 
And if you don't need something, you put it back. But that's not to say that nothing works or it all works. You know, you just got to understand that dating is war. And sometimes and, and war, there's very loose, like morality. It, the morality is very loose, right? Because there is kind of rules in war. But you got to understand that it's just not leadership or and it's not like how you treat your friends. You know, it's it can get pretty savage. Just move accordingly, protect yourself and uh, do the best you can. Here, here, man. Here, here. Well, let's uh, bookmark this convo, Nuke. I thought it was great. And you've been quite busy lately with your content on YouTube. Please uh, plug away your work and tell my listeners where they can keep up with your latest projects. Uh, yes. So I'm uh, releasing about a YouTube video per week. I'm, I'm going to start ramping that up as I have a lot of more topics to talk about. So you can find me on YouTube at uh, youtube.com at, at sign Caulillo Nuclear, just like my name here, but backwards. And then you can find me on Twitter with the same handle. And then on Twitter, uh, I just drop like hints and advice. And then on my YouTube, uh, right now I'm discussing uh, uh, dating philosophy and having the right attitude. My, la- my last video just dropped today and it's about having the right attitude and dating and, and, you know, sort of like a lot of things we talked about today, but a little bit more in depth. And then... um that's all I have for now. Um, and then maybe in the future, I'll, you know, start a Patreon and start giving guys, you know, when, when things die down a little bit in my own life. Fantastic, man. Keep up the good work because you are definitely waking people up and giving them the real game about dating these days. And to my audience, thank you again for listening in. And with that, El Nino has spoken.